0: welcome to the podcast we do recover with jared miller your host and i'm dr terry sellers your co-host this is a
1: podcast about recovery from addiction we want to talk about what successful recovery can look like
2: brought to you by steps recovery center and the saint george hilton garden Inn.
0: good morning good morning it is a beautiful day to be in recovery man we've had a great time laughing it up this morning got a i got a table full of good fellas here Ready to talk some recovery? You're listening to We Do Recover. I'm your host of this thing, Jared Miller. Let's check in with the other fellas sitting around here. Sean Denovan. Hey, I'm back. You, he's back. You ready? You ready this morning? Yeah. All right. Let's try to get more than one in without an interruption, shall we?
2: Wow, really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'll tell you about it—the new and good. Got him. Got him. All right, wow. Doctor Sellers, What's my co-host.
0: Up? What's, what's going on? You ready for this thing this morning? Yeah,
1: I am. You're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Uh, well, I'm red-eyed and bushy-tailed, but I'm, it's
0: fine. You're here. Yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm excited. Nice. I'm Nice to be here. Nice. And last, but definitely not least, I got a guy that literally has more clean time than I have years on this earth alive, Tim Hayes. Tim, you ready to rock and roll this morning? I think I am. Glad to be here. Glad to be anywhere. You know that. <laughs> nice, nice. Episode 47, part one is brought to you by... Our sponsor, Steps Recovery Center. It's if you have a loved one who needs help. I know. Do you see that? I, I had it. I had a. He was about to advertise for a, <laughs> a local uh, for a local inn. If your loved one needs help, reach out to Steps Recovery Center. You can call them All eight one four two. All right. Well, let's start off with some new and goods. This thing's been rocking and rolling. Let's start with you, Doctor Sellers. What's new and good? Use some positive psychology to identify positive things in your life. Wow, it's a lot of
1: instruction. I'm all worried about what I'm going to say now. (laughs) What if I don't fit the bill? All right, I got a new and good today. I don't always have a new and good, but I've got a new and good today. Tomorrow, now I get this isn't today, but tomorrow I will have been married for 39 years. Congratulations. congratulations. My wife is with me on this trip, which doesn't happen all the time. My wife came down. This uh, weekend is a little bit of our... Wedding anniversary celebration, and so that's pretty. It's not new because it's thirty nine years old, but it is <laughs> awfully good. That's so beautiful. There you go. Beautiful. Yeah, my What's... wife. My wife on the w- drive over here, by the way. Mm-hmm. She mentioned to me. She said you might have something to say now in the new and good. And I'm like, so I. So I was, <laughs> so was going to pull her leg, right? Uh, which I did. I said, "What?" And she says. You're not going to be married. You're not going to make it to 39 years with that attitude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. We love her. Absolutely. Congratulations to the both of you. I hope you guys thanks. have a great, great time celebrating down here in Southern Utah with us. Yeah. Let's thanks. check in with our guest, the guy that t- came to talk to us today. Tim, what's new and good? What's going on in your world, buddy?
3: I want to tell him congratulations on uh, 39 years. I I don't think I could be with anybody that would tolerate me for that long well that's so, the
1: miracle right there somebody <laughs> tolerated me for 39 yeah,
3: years yeah it's, i've had two practice marriages to to get this one uh, right so <laughs> a couple warm-ups I, I yeah yeah i'm a second half team you know i'm a, I'm a second you half player come back score yeah. a touchdown in the end um I, I what i've been really grateful for this week um some friends of mine visited from out of town and 11 years ago today i was on about my third or fourth day of um, radiation and chemo from stage four throat cancer, and just they didn't they didn't plan it that way, but uh, the guy that uh, helped me the most he went through it before I did, so wow. both, so both of them uh, made a long trip to visit with me and share with me exactly what was going to happen that almost down to the day. Um, and I think it would have been a whole lot more difficult without those two. But anyways, they showed up in town and I, I, I got to spend some time with them, uh, 11 years to the day that I started that. So uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful, man. When I say glad to be here, glad to be anywhere, I, I mean it most days, so. that's I love mine. That. You're truly never alone, right? Right. Uh, that's a. I didn't, I didn't have to go through that by myself.
0: That, thank you. That is, that is a, man, Let's talk about knocking it out of the park. That's yeah. an amazing new and good. Yep. All right, Sean Denovan, top that, guy. I can't.
2: Oh. I can't, but I found.
0: Wait, it's not a competition. Why are you
2: making sure top it? it? Tell no, us what's new is. and
1: good in your life, Sean. I have,
2: I have found my geography of zen. Geography of zen. Yes. Explain. Stage one is between, I forget the highway name, but it's between Crystal Springs and Tonopah. It's where the alien highway is. Okay. Okay. Stage two all is right. between Austin, Nevada and Ely, Nevada on Highway 50. Straight, long stretches oh, of road, yeah. motorcycle, very few cars, zero people, just me and there. It's awesome. That does sound pretty sweet. It's all right. Like all I'm right. jealous in this yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. found it's, his spot. It's, it's my Zen spot. Yeah. And then I got back to St. George and it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's hot in St.
0: George? Yes, it has been. Today it's a little overcast. Yeah. yeah. It's only going to be 100 today. I was kind of oh, excited no. to see that. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> All right, well, my new and good is I finished Oh, up. whoa, Jared. Yeah, you forget me. It's okay. I was actually I'm in going to be a
1: victim over here. I'm involved in no. trying to figure out something that I'm going to say <laughs> on my phone. Well, I'm looking up something. But um, I got so involved that I forgot to ask you. So
0: my new and goods are thank you guys for, for posting uh Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Amber. Glad you guys are here with us. Appreciate the comments. We're, I, I appreciate the gratitude. Um, if you're listening to this, you can definitely shoot us a comment question. Today we're talking about unmanageability and powerlessness. My new and good is I finished school. <sighs> my ethics paper, Okay, Congratulations. This thing was a beautiful, beautiful deal when I finished it, but it was a pain up until then. So my new and good is I'm done with school. Great to rock and roll, kind of settling in. Things are going great at work. Yeah, man. Married. Like, I, I've, I feel like I'm maturing in my life, Dr. Sellers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs>
1: he feels like it. He's not, he's not really aware what that means. But, uh, can, I sh- can I just rain on your parade? Oh, sure. I mean, it's overcast today. What does done with school mean?
0: Oh, yeah. So I, I finished up my, my uh, good point my ASUDC certification. So, yeah. so you only have three more years now for the masters. Yeah. You're going to do yeah. that. And then the PhD will be you're a few more years right. after that. So, so you're, you're not, not done with yeah. school. You're not even close to done with school. I'm taking a break from school. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, yeah. thanks guys yeah. for yeah. helping me reframe that. that. All right. Let's
1: get, let's get into it. That's man. not a bad <laughs> thing. That's a good thing. Keep, I don't regret them. So I have spent a long time in school. I don't regret a minute of it. Like I, 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 even, even in my career when, and most of us have heard this, but I lost my license to practice medicine once upon a time. I, I still didn't regret the schooling. Like yeah. even when I couldn't use it, I thought, well, all right, but I'm still glad. And it turns out that it paid off in the end for me, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right. Well, Tim. Yeah. We got Tim. Can yes. Tell we do. Us, Who's Tim? I don't know, Tim. I met him about, you know, 10 minutes ago. That's how we like it. And no, it's great. Cause we can just, uh, cause I, I do like it that way actually. Cause now I get to learn about Tim on the podcast, which is, so tell us about Tim, right? Like right now, just a little bit about kind of what, what your life is like family,
3: that sort of stuff. Like currently. Yeah. Um, I always tell people if, If you spend 10 minutes with me, you're going to walk away going, God, he's a pretty good guy. (laughs) But if if you spent two years with me, you're going to have your opinions. Um, I I just turned 63. I've been through a lot of physical stuff. I moved down here three years ago last June, four years ago at a convention. I, uh, I met a woman. I'd quit dating for quite a while. Um, just to try to figure some things out. And then I met her, and we talked every night on the phone since. Um, I moved down here a year ago. We bought a house. We got married. October will be two years. Uh, and that's why I'm in St. George. I, uh, um, After everything that I've been through, I love to golf. I still like to uh, – uh, yeah, I, I love to golf. I, I play softball in a recovery league. Um me and this other guy that I used to play racquetball with, one of our favorite sayings was, if nobody told you how old you were, then how old would you be? And that's kind of how I, I live my life. Some people say, Tim, you shouldn't be doing that at 63. And I'm like, no, I'm I'm going to do whatever my body tells me I can do. So uh, I, I, I hiked Angels Landing all the way to the top uh, a couple of weeks ago with some friends. That was a big accomplishment for me. Um, been in recovery for you know, 36 years, almost 37 years. Well, most of it in recovery. I mean, I've been clean that long, but, uh, uh, I'll finish with this. And that. Mm. I, I would, I would, uh, when people would, would ask, does anybody have any proud time? And I, I tell them, I've been clean. I've been clean 30 years and I've been proud of about 24 of them. So, um, but if, but if anybody's out there, you don't, you don't have to do, you just don't got to do everything perfectly in, in order to have a good life and, and, and stay, stay clean.
0: Yeah. Can we give a shout out to your amazing wife?
3: You would want you me to that? Well, wait, I- she
0: spent,
1: she spent, he, cause he said earlier, he said, if you spend two years with me, you might have some opinions. Right. His wife spent two years with him. What would her opinion be? <laughs>
3: Okay. I like, I'm kinda, I'm I'm, I like well well, I, I have my own opinion. I think she would say he's he's an awful good husband and yeah. and uh I'll bet she uh, will and he's very supportive. Uh but my wife loves recovery just like I do, so so we're yeah. a pretty good uh we're a pretty good couple. Yeah, I like it. I like yeah, that. Yeah, she's wonderful. She really is. That's I awesome.
1: Asked, I asked him what his wife would think of him and then we had the dreaded dead air, which by the way is a license plate <laughs> I read once. Sean, Sean Dennevin has dead air on his license plate he doesn't love it, but it was two seconds. So we're good. All right. So, uh,
3: let's talk about, um, do you have any kids? Um, yeah, I, I, I have, uh, two daughters, um, and they're it's, I don't even tell people that I don't like the word, like stepkids. Um, mm. they're, they're from, they've been mine since they've been three and five. And they're 40 and 42 now. Wow. Um, and the rough thing that I went through, um, I lost my son to to the the disease that I had to surrender to uh, two years ago, last March. Wow. So he was, yeah, he would have been uh, 35 this this October. Yeah. So yeah, that's, yeah, hard. that's uh, yeah, that's not an easy one to to get through. That's
1: hard. That's something I've learned through the years is, you know, I I would have hoped along the way that, um, that my kids would learn from my mistakes. Well, my kids are going to learn from their mistakes. They're not going to learn from mine and it just doesn't work that way. But you'd think seeing all the devastation in your life that your kids would figure that out. And you yeah. just don't, people have to make their own mistakes. Everybody
3: walks their own path. Just, right. That's yeah. just the way it is. Well, my, I got clean before I had kids. Uh, my kids never saw me use. I, you know, might not have been the best husband, but I was a pretty good dad, you know, did all the coaching and uh, all the stuff that I wasn't given when I was a kid. So uh, a lot of the work I did in early recovery was I want to be that type of dad.
0: Yeah, yeah. give back some service yeah,
3: work. Abso- some absolutely, work. well, I wanted my kids to, to grow up to uh, to do it for their kids, so. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: We got a friend on here, Jesse, Jesse what's up what's up to you buddy hey jesse for on here no Thanks for coming I, I don't like jesse <laughs> you don't
1: even know jesse that's why i don't <laughs> like him. Did you see who jesse gave a shout out to uh, oh
3: hey jared what's up tim oh well, he knows you? who the cool people are I, I yeah. <laughs> so, right
1: yeah. right hi jesse <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: all right let's find out if tim knows anything about powerlessness he doesn't oh i think he does oh, he has he does? more clean time than i do oh, no. years alive that's i think he right. might know a thing or two he has more clean time than you have time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. Yeah, it doesn't know. I mean that doesn't mean like I know a whole bunch. Uh um, well, means you know something. And I, you know, I I just I think a lot about the first step and uh powerlessness to me was just using against my will, you know, to, to uh, telling myself that look it ain't going to get any better tonight. You're going to end up crawling around your hands and knees and peeking out windows and seeing stuff that isn't there. And then doing it anyways. Oh, uh, the tree people. You that's exactly what I do with people. <laughs> you see in tree people and um duct taping my door shut and, <laughs> you know, because it's like when I first started, I and mean, I'm just gonna say I, I started using when I was I don't know, maybe fourteen. Uh, but by the time I was twenty six, because I quit when I was twenty six, I was, you know, God had a better plan for me. Um I used to be one of those guys that i would get invited to parties and because i was a fun guy i i I like to have fun and laugh and uh i wasn't out looking to fight and you know try to beat people up and um and if you're one of those people you know welcome welcome anyways there's there's recovery (laughs) for all of us but that's me uh, that's me yeah (laughs) right right but in the end there was no like nobody was inviting me no place. I got too weird, and and uh, and I would keep telling myself my denial was that no it'll it'll be like it used to be, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. And uh, and then when my tranquilizers were running low, and the psychiatrists that I were lying to were catching on, and the doctors that I lied to were catching on, um, I was just kind of forced to. Um, it was either go permanently insane or shoot myself. So, um, but powerlessness is, is is just using against my will telling myself I don't want to and having to do it anyways
0: right. yeah yeah and and I find it interesting we talk about the powerlessness we have of our over our disease right you want to stop using but you can't stop using and oftentimes people feel like that that is kind of like a cop out or that's you know what I mean so explain maybe explain to me and I know in some literature, some fellowship literature, it basically states you're not responsible for your disease, but you are responsible for your recovery. How does that look with powerlessness? Um, In other words, where does where does the powerlessness end and the
3: recovery start? Well, for me, it was like after I after I just quit lying to myself. After I um, I gave up all reservations that as long as I could stay clean for a while, then I could start using again. Because I mean, I, I tried to, well, as long as I gave up, can we be specific on here? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, 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 long as long as I gave up cocaine, because that was the one that I always tell people, I was doing it back in the day when it was really good. It hadn't been stepped <laughs> on a lot and, uh, you know, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, so that, that is what was really driving my insanity. Um, and I made up excuses for the tranquilizers that I needed and, and the alcohol that I had drank and the hallucinogenics that I had done. And as long as I could quit alcohol um, or as, as, as long as I could quit cocaine at, 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 at that point, then I was good. So I stopped for 30 days. And just you, the cocaine but you were using the other stuff? Well, absolutely. I wasn't going <laughs> to give everything up. I right. was I was I was still in denial, so because right. you weren't powerless over those other things. No, <laughs> it's only yeah. the cocaine right. that I was right. Right. that's that's uh so anyways, um I had to I did I had to stop everything before I could even start to re- recover. And it was only until I got into recovery that I realized that I was powerless. Right. So um I don't know. And everybody's got their take on, on, on what it means to them.
1: Yeah. And we've all heard some takes, right? One of the things I hear a lot about powerlessness is people think the cop out thing I hear a lot, but the other thing is that means I'm hopeless. Like there's no way I can get past this. That's not what that means to me at all. That, that means to me that a, you're right. I have a disease and I don't have any control over that part of it. Um, And if I use, I've lost, given up all control there, but it does not mean you're powerless to not use. You have some ability to not use. Otherwise nobody at this table would be sitting here. Right.
0: Right. And my take on powerlessness is is kind of this it's being able to surrender. Like Tim talked about, he had to surrender, right? He had to acknowledge that he was where he was, that he had a disease and be able to respect it enough not to go back to it so powerlessness means to me is once you have some some clean time underneath your belt the acknowledgement that you can't use socially like right. i can't go to a bar and just be a, a social drinker i can't go and get a prescription filled and socially take pain medication like i i'm powerless over that as soon as as soon as i use that first time my disease is reawakened well the other thing about powerlessness is in uh, with tim's story is
1: social using and duct taping your door shut are different things, right? <laughs> that's a slightly different level. Like the people with real addiction, most of them aren't socially using anymore. I mean, they might go to the bar to drink, but they've already had some stuff before they got to the bar, right? Right. And then they're going home to have some more stuff. And and that's, that's
3: kind of a powerlessness thing for sure. Well, <clears throat> people with an addiction problem Understand, and it's why I hang out where I still hang out. Um, I did so much of drug A one night, and then a whole bunch of drug B, that my experience—the uh, best I could remember—was my heart was beating at 100 miles an hour, and then I just stopped, and I couldn't breathe. I'm, it's like my eyes were awake, and I knew what was going on, but I couldn't breathe. And I—you kind of do that real quick. I don't remember if I was out loud, but I remember thinking to God that, man, I, I need to hurt, you know, get over this. And, you know, I, I promise, I promise. And, um, and then somehow coming out of that, cause I thought I was going to die. I thought I had, I had done what I'd heard about. Um, and most people would not even get to that point. Um, but an addict will do it again the next night, knowing what could possibly happen. Anybody, anybody with an addiction problem, because that's, that's where I was at towards the very end of my using. That's, that's, that's the powerlessness of this disease. No question. Absolutely. For for me, my analogy
1: is, and I may have said, said this on here already, but for me, I've always thought, you know, I could use morphine tonight and get away with it. I I guarantee it. I could use it tonight and get away with it. What do you mean by as far as get away with it? Like I could maybe nobody would find out. Okay. So you wouldn't get caught. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is, if I use tonight and get away with it, like I don't stop when I get away with it, right? Right? I stop when the cops show up at my door and want to talk to me, or you know, I stop when the bad stuff starts happening. I don't stop when I get away with it, right? So right. yeah, I could use tonight and get away with it, and but I'm going to use tomorrow if I do that, almost
0: guaranteed. And what you and Tim are saying, I think, is perfect, right? It's it's so quick little story here. And it reminds me of powerlessness. When I was a kid, I was in fourth grade, and for Christmas, my dad bought me a little YZ80, a little dirt bike. Yeah. Okay. Little, little Yamaha. Yep. Loved it, and we had some dirt fields. And before, and I was so excited. I wanted to get out there, and I wanted to, I wanted to fire that thing up. Right. I had my helmet on. I'm all pumped up, this little kid, and he he made me sit down, take off my helmet, uh, and dead sit. You know, a little father son moment. Uh, he said, shoot. "Jared, I want to tell you something first. The day that you do not respect the power that that bike has." will be the day that you hurt yourself and possibly somebody else, which is today for
1: you because <laughs> you're sitting on that thing and you want to climb to the top of the mountain and then jump off
0: probably that first day. Right? Probably. But, but it's the principles the same. If, okay. if you do not, once you get some clean time underneath your belt, if you can't look back and, and respect the power that your disease has and you tell yourself, Oh, I can use, like you're saying, Dr. Sellers, I could use morphine tonight and get away with it. Okay. Maybe you wouldn't get caught. But you're powerless to stop. Right. Once you sure. start that train, sure. you're not going to be able to st- that very easily stop that locomotive. Yeah. Does that make sense? Am I for making sure. sense? Oh, yeah. So it's, it's sure. having a, a <coughs> form of respect for the disease that you have. Yeah.
1: Tim, how'd you get started? Like, what was, uh? you said you started at age
3: 14.
1: What well, was that, like, how was that? What, what drugs at the time? And that's... A-
3: actually... I was nine and I loved the smell yeah. of gasoline. So I, at nine, and I'm really, I'm, I'm looking at like nine-year-old kids today or 10, 11-year-old kids huffing. Right. Um, and I just, I love the smell of gas. And then when I I found out what it did to me, right. I really liked that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I just wanted them kids. I didn't like the way I was raised. I was a weird, I, I, I liked to, I, I had all those labels that they had no, Medicine for back then, right. you know. I was that kid sitting out in the hallway, you know, at uh, at school because I couldn't sit still. I was disruptive, but for some reason that stuff made me feel good. And then I knew by the time I was in like sixth or seventh grade that if it said used with adequate ventilation or maybe harmful to inhaled or swallow I I could put in a baggie and and do. I better inhale or at swallow. A, yeah, at an at an early age. So uh, that wasn't my start. And then you know, I was a freshman in high school. You know, and you used to. That's when I got drunk the first And my first time, I chugged a bottle of uh, homemade wine because it tasted good. Three quarters of a bottle all at one <laughs> shot. That, that was my first time of really getting drunk. And I was just off and running from there. I didn't, you know, I'm not one of those guys that ever just said, hey, you know, two beers and I'll go home. You know, you know, two hits off a pipe and, and I'm going home. That was never me.
1: What was the experience of that three quarters of a bottle of wine? Did you... Did you like the way you felt after that? I was not get
3: sick? I was in Everett, Washington. We were at a youth fast pitch tournament. Okay. And we gotten beaten out that day. And one of my friends' older sister had it. Uh, she gave it to him. And I just, all I remember is people were laughing at me the next day. Uh, I had made a complete fool of myself. <laughs> <laughs> trying to run around half naked out of the Motel 6 that we were staying in. Uh, and it seems like that's what alcohol did to me a lot. Let's, so.
1: let's, let's analyze that for just a second. Right. What kid likes being laughed at? Like, that's not what we're going for.
0: No, but the right. attention that he class, received was class, a reward, clown and right?
1: attention is something yep. for sure, but yeah. being laughed at isn't something that kids like, and yet you
3: repeated the activity. Absolutely. Right. I, like I said, once once I was starting, I was I was gonna go.
0: Oh, I didn't uh, realize what our timer looked like. Hey, it's been great so far. Be sure to join us for episode forty-seven, part two, after our quick little message from our sponsor. Please feel free to leave comments. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you in a minute.
2: You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn.
3: I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery and
1: Once you become of The Steps family, you're just a part of The Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization.
2: We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers.
1: All right. Welcome back, everybody. We took a quick break, and uh, now we're going to head to segment two. But first, before we do, our second segment is sponsored by the Hilton Garden Inn. Sorry, did I start talking too soon? Oh, you're great. It's like talking. Uh, It's always bright and sunny at the Hilton Garden Inn. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. Stayed there last night. It's a beautiful place. Again, always uh, good and accommodating. The amenities are great at the Hilton Garden Inn. The pool is amazing. That's a great pool, actually. And uh, they're always good to us. So if you or a loved one are down in St. George, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn and give them a call, and they'll take excellent care of you. So... Hilton Garden Inn that's a they're a great sponsor for us. For and if sure. you're
0: not traveling through southern Utah what's wrong with you? It's beautiful oh, that's here. That's a good point. Right? I mean it's gorgeous here, right? Tim yeah. that's why we got smart and moved Man, down here sellers
1: 17 so, degrees. When you get smart you'll move down here too. It's a they're having a cold front today it's only going to be 100. <laughs> so yeah, that's awesome. Well, we left off we were talking a little bit about powerlessness and uh, the the concept that goes along with powerlessness, of course, is the concept of unmanageability, and so um, we want to kind of move into that a little bit for a second. Uh, what what does unmanageability mean to people? So we have our guest Tim, and Tim, can you? What does unmanageability mean to you? Your life was never unmanageable, was it, Tim? <laughs> he was duct <laughs> he was duct taping his door shut. <laughs>
3: Well, I mean, I've, uh, I'm just, I'm one of those, I've been a really, really, really good example um, with somebody who, uh, who's been in recovery with a, a lot of time. And I've been a really, really poor example of what, uh, what somebody in, with a lot of time can, can look like. Um, I've made my mistakes. And uh, most of the time it has to do with uh, me just trying to do my own will, uh, not trying to follow God's will. I'd lose a sponsor and I wouldn't want one because I want to do it my way. And before you know it, I mean, I make more amends and my life just becomes, uh, you can call it unmanageable. And unmanageable to some people were was you know like living on the streets and eating out of dumpsters and living under the bridge and and uh, being in and out of prison and I didn't I didn't have one of those I didn't have, I, I just don't have one of those stories. Um, unmanageable to me was uh, it just went around with the whole powerlessness about um, just using against my will and my life getting to the point where I I, I was either going to go permanently insane or I just wanted to kill myself so. Uh, that's, that's where the unmanageability part, uh, when I was using probably. Cause we talked a little bit before we started this,
0: uh, as, as we were kind of just, you know, hanging out, waiting for, for Dr. Sellers and starting the episode and you shared unmanageability to you, like you said, you know, and that's okay. That's not your story, right? Everybody's path is different. Um, you said you kind of struggled at first to a little
3: bit in denial about unmanageability. And why was that? Well, I had, uh, thanks to a good union, I would managed to keep a job. Um, I didn't have any children at the time that, you know, I I wasn't paying attention to and wasn't coaching and wasn't embarrassment to them. Uh, I had not been married yet, so just destroying relationship after relationship after relationship was um, was okay. Um, <laughs> that wasn't unmanageable yeah, at all. Yeah, that's not, no, <laughs> no. Those well,
1: relationships we're, were manageable for him.
3: Well, it was always their fault. Well, sure. It was. So, okay, yeah, uh, sure. Uh, did not be your fault. No, of course not. I'm, I'm Still me. Waiting. So, <laughs> um, who
1: wouldn't want to be married? Yeah, with this.
3: Yeah, and then well, there's two. I, <laughs> I do have two. That said, that's enough, Tim. So, uh, so uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's like unmanageability can it just pops up in all kinds of areas in in, in people's life. But yeah, I didn't. Um, like I said I was still alive. I wasn't in in some loony bin, and uh, and I was still working. And I, I like to say I was still paying my bills, but making good money, living by myself. Uh, my car barely ran and I was four and a half months behind in in, uh, in rent and there just should have been no, there's no reason for that other than- You're spending on other stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's more important? Right, rent or getting high demand. Uh, there you go.
0: And to me, that is unmanageability. Right. That, that right there, like the inability to be able to maintain uh, a lifestyle that, that you should be able to maintain. In other words, if, right. if you were able to pay your bills, And be on top of managing the things that you have in your life, relationships, finance, uh, things like that. And then you're no longer able to do those things. That's unmanageability. Yeah. And it could be little stuff too. Like, you know, I remember sometimes I was a wreck. I was a wreck, right? I, I would go to work and I would forget something at home or I would be at home working on stuff at work to try to catch up because I had taken a long lunch break because I'm powerless to go pick up opiates. Right. I mean, it was just the whole thing was just a a disaster and that's unmanageability to me. Right. In my life, it looked a little bit like, so I
1: think of unmanageability as not doing the things that you say you're going to do, even if you're saying it just to yourself. So for me, like, these are, these are attempts at control, which prove my unmanageability uh, mm. is, you know, I was running an uh, an obstetrician's office. I was an obstetrician. I was running that office. And so I would say to myself, I, you know, I don't want my patients knowing I'm high, right? Sure. <laughs> so I, I would take some tab, but I wouldn't take it till 4 p.m. because and back in those days I was just taking them, like just swallowing them. I wasn't crushing them up or snorting them or anything. And I didn't want my patients to know I was high, so I would not take Lortab until 4 p.m. Well, 4 p.m. became noon, became, you know, and I'd wake up and I'd take a handful. That to me was my unmanageability is I I couldn't keep my own word to myself. I'm not going to take them before 4 p.m. Or, you know, the limits, the the attempts at control of, I'm only taking 10 Lortabs today. And, And you know, I'd look up and I'm 40 in and, you know, it's like, it's, it was, that was the unmanageability to me. I couldn't control it. And I tried and I wanted to, and I said to myself, I want to.
0: And it's a direct, Mm -hmm. it's a direct effect or it holds hands with powerlessness. The powerlessness piece is what creates the unmanageability is from what I understand it. Right, Tim?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Because you're almost talking about the same thing. Yeah. Was I, was I powerless? Um, you know, it's like I had to, I had to use and every time I used, I became unmanageable. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Perfect example that I remember being invited to go on family trips. Right. And I would ha I would get my prescription and I would have X amount I could take per day. right? Right. And here's the powerless piece. I would always run out early. Sure. And so therefore I became unmanageable because I had to make up some kind of lie to leave
3: the vacation and drive home early to get more, right? Whole disaster. I was I was just thinking about like not being able to follow through with commitments. Mm. And the family like Christmas and Thanksgiving and some of that stuff and if I did make it, I I was I was drinking pretty heavily and always had to leave early. Uh, And I don't really think they minded because most of the time, (laughs) I mean, most of the time I I overdid and I thought everybody should have been doing it the way I was. And, um, you know, when you're not getting invited places no more, your 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 life becomes unmanageable. So but denial is just it's just one of those things that uh, that that's that I really had to work on a lot in order for those other two things to to get better. It's not just a river in Egypt. It can be whatever you want it to be this is your show <laughs> Well, he just said
0: reminded me of a chris foxworthy thing you know you might be redneck if yeah, yeah, yeah. your yeah. life might be unmanageable if that's jeff foxworthy by the way to you did i you said chris but oh right. jeff foxworthy oh i must have chris in mind because i saw you yeah. posted a little chris. thank you chris a little shout out thanking tim for coming on and sharing his story i saw yeah. all that thank yeah. you yeah it's nice
1: jeff foxworthy you might be a redneck if
0: yeah and and so now we have Tim. You might be The Tim a, Hayes be quote an is: if. "You might be unmanageable if, yeah. right? I like yeah. it. <laughs> if you stop getting invited to family reunions, <laughs> right? Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. So, um, Jared, anything else you got on
0: unmanageability? Um, n- not not necessarily. Okay. I think we we've covered it pretty well. Yeah. If anybody has any questions about it, feel free to, yeah. to shoot us or a comment and more ask a question. Examples of how. Things became unmanageable in their own lives. Tim did say something at the first of this that really just intrigued me. Okay. He said he's had, how did you phrase it? I have th- 36 oh, years uh, clean.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I would tell people. I'm, but I'm only I'm, proud of. Yeah.
0: What, I, let's
3: I, get that. What does that mean? That means that there was years. I, I wait, but you only
1: said part of the thing. So our audience didn't. Okay. Let's they have a meeting. It, 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 it is that the, there's
3: there's some areas that you will go to and they and they do. Hey, we'll go ahead and do proud time in the meetings that right. I'm in. And people, I've been clean, you know, six months, four years, and and I tell people I've been clean. It's like now I would say I've been clean thirty six years and some change, and I'm proud of about twenty eight of them. Yeah. Because okay. <laughs> I I've I've had some I I call them down years. I almost got uh, loaded at 14 and a half years because. I had just stopped doing everything that worked. I didn't want to be around I would I tell them I, I didn't want to be around you people. Right. And I forgot that I was you, you people. people. Right. <laughs> Still today I am you people. Right. Uh but I'd forgotten that and I didn't want to be around it. I made up excuses and what had happened was my disease just said, "Tim, you don't need them." Yeah, you're not those. I got before. I got you. Yeah. And uh I was uh, cause I was coaching my son's, uh, baseball team, the all-star team. I was the productive, responsible member of society, <laughs> uh, not even knowing that, uh, you know, social acceptability does not equal recovery. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and, um, I, I went in and I bought some alcohol for the coaches cause that's what normal people do. And, and I almost, almost got drunk that night. Wow, That's at 14 and a half years. Um, so, um. I've had some had some down years. I've had years without sponsors that I did whatever I wanted to and caused wreckage. And um, you know, I went through an ugly divorce. And it's kind of one of those I'm I, I had to do it the only way that I knew how. But at eight nine years clean, I I wasn't very healthy still. I mean, I wanted to kill myself at five years, so I I wasn't I wasn't real healthy then. Sure. Um, so that's to me. I'm hearing the difference between being abstinent and and at, or or clean and versus recovering. being
0: right. in
1: active recovery right. yeah. so sobriety versus recovery yeah. yeah
3: yeah we call it stark
1: raving clean <laughs> yeah yeah like you can sit around your house and sit on your hands the whole time and do nothing and be clean but stark man, raving if clean that's if like that's it. recovery yeah. i don't want that yeah at all. yeah so uh let's tell us what your life's like today
3: mine yeah, yeah. what what's do your life what's, look like yeah what yeah. are you doing with your life these days what's what's I I was telling him before that um, sometimes I, I, I got a nice, we bought a nice house and we're in Bloomington Hills and we got a pool and, uh, and I, I float out there some days after like working out or playing golf, you know, cause I'm retired and life's rough for me. That is hard. Uh, so I have, golf to, is I, tough. I have to, I have de- to, you know, I have to decompress <laughs> after, you know, cause, cause I could forget about the 16 good holes that I had no, and sure. I'll focus on one those one crappy shot. Oh my God. And suddenly you're uh, the worst golfer on the planet. Yep. By the way. And they'll never invite me back again. Yep. Cause that's still the way I think. Yep.
0: So real quick, I know you're on a roll here, but. Does it mean I'm not a good golfer if I have the one good shot in the other 17 holes? Were if all
1: you remember
3: is the one good shot, you're a better golfer than we are. <laughs> I, but I don't. I don't lie to my friends. And no, you're not a good golfer. So <laughs> thank you, Tim. I can always count on you to be honest. Hey, I, I, you know me, man. I, I, I got to tell people. like I got raised in a different in a different time in, 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 in recovery, Wait a and sec.
1: You're not starting to talk about re- uh, participation trophies, are you?
3: <laughs> no, but I had sponsors that, that didn't lie to me. Yeah, sure. And they're, they'll, they hurt my feelings, sure. but they were not afraid to lie to me. One of them said, Tim, I don't give up about your feelings, but I care if you, you live or die. Yeah. Um, this last guy that I had, I. I, I love to tell this he's I'm 20, probably 27, 28 years clean. Maybe uh, my sponsor of 19 years had died and I got this guy cause I had messed my life up again. <laughs> and, uh, I said, John, I said, it's, it's okay. I'm, I've been around long enough and you know me, I'm low maintenance. And he said, Tim, you don't have a low maintenance disease. Yeah. It will kill you with 30 years, just like it will kill somebody with 30 days. Yeah. Uh, very important things for me to remember. But my life is is good after not being able to walk two years ago uh, because of some severe back problems to the cancers that I had, to all these operations that I had not knowing if I was going to have a leg or uh, even be living. My life is good, man. I, I wake up and when I'm floating out in my pool, I just think, how did I even get here? Yeah, yeah. You know, from a guy that was crawling around his hands and knees and peeking out windows and nobody wanted to have nothing to do with him to where I'm at today. A lot of hard work, long-term recovery, and, and you know it, yeah. it's, it's not for sissies.
0: Yeah, I think that's the the big challenge that people face, right, is it is an uphill battle. It is, it, it took me years, years to try to get back any kind of, uh, where I felt like I was living again, not just surviving, but actually living, right? like that I felt alive and I felt good. And, but that's the beautiful thing about it is, is is just consistency, right? The more you do it, typically, the more you're going to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It's hard to not,
1: um, for, uh, Jared won't get this cause he's not a golfer and it's okay. Cause you've got your own stuff. That's going to, that's going to qualify as this, but it's hard to be out on a golf course and not just be grateful for everything you have. Like, if you
3: can't be grateful on a golf course, then you got some issues. Well, especially down here, it's beautiful down here. These golf—it's—it's it's absolutely stunning. I, I, I have yet—I've been doing it for almost four years now. I have yet to be out and look around and just think, man, this is, this is terrible. This, 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 is <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> thing yeah, get. I don't care if it's 110. I'm still having right. fun.
1: I played uh, the, the la- not the last time I came down, but two times ago we played, and it was. 109 when we teed off and 117 when we finished. And uh, I'll show you because
3: I took You're a, a better pic- golfer than me. Well,
1: so. I didn't. I actually, it's the first time in my life I didn't finish. I On the 16th hole, I walked off because, like, this is not, actually not fun anymore. I was yeah. so, and then the person I was playing golf with took a picture of the parking lot and sent it to me. One car. One car. Uh, <laughs> one car.
0: Was that your car? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. One car. That's it.
0: So obviously, though, we don't get there overnight. And Tim, I'm sure that the, the, shift didn't happen for you overnight. And so we're, we're talking about life and recovery today. How did you get here? So you look around in your pool and you're like, how did I get here? I mean, walk us through that. What did that look like for you? How, how have you gotten here?
3: And I didn't use even when I wanted to. Mm, And I, um, I shared this the other night at a meeting at at my home group and, um, and we've we've lost a couple that I knew from down here that that hurt a lot of people. Whenever, whenever we lost them, um, I don't knickknack. I don't uh, recreational weed has never been okay with me. Uh, a couple beers on the weekend has never been okay with me. Uh, and I have I, I only have I got one white key tag. I was terrified when I got here mm. that uh, the gift of desperation. It's still with me today, yeah. 36, almost 37 years later, I still have that gift of desperation. I love my life today and I know that it doesn't, it, I've, I've had a lot of operations and I've been forced to, uh, I, I say forced because the doctors strongly recommended I take some medication and, um, and I've had to be, when I use in any form, our literature says we substitute, or we substitute one for another, we release our addiction all over again. And my mind and body doesn't know the difference between the doctor giving me uh, morphine or liquid Oxycontin or if I get it on the street. It's the same stuff that goes into me, it does the same thing. I've had to be really, really careful. That's, that might be one of the tricky areas. You know, that and um, I've learned to lean in when my son died. You know, my, of course, my wife was the first one I, I called. Uh, my sponsor was the next guy that I called. And I, I just had to get to be okay with, uh, with learning to cry when I needed to. Because I grew up in a logging town at Castle Rock, Washington a long time ago. And guys didn't cry you over cry. stuff like that.
1: Yeah, you don't cry.
3: It's just a whole different era. Uh, I've had to learn things like that. I had cancer. I had to learn to let people take care of me because I'm I'm the guy that I like to take care of people that that's what we do that's what I do uh so I had to learn to let people buy me food I had to learn uh to let people come and clean my house I had to I just had to learn uh a lot of stuff um and I'm really grateful for one of those first sponsors that I had that had me work on open mindedness uh and willingness that's so. right I, what I hear is humility right you you've you got to
0: you got to get to a place where you're humble enough to be able to accept help and God forbid, ask for help. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: I heard something that, uh, that, that I bristle at a little bit, not, not something you said that I bristle at, but we're now in, um, and I, from everything I've learned so far, you're not really involved in the treatment industry. I am. He's part of the social piece. Uh, well, no, the, The treatment industry now seems to be looking for all kinds of substitutions. There's now centers you can go to and have cannabis assisted recovery. Yeah, that's crazy. Like all kinds of places, a bunch of them. And then, you know, like I just read a study the other day that's going to lead to that I guarantee is going to lead to we're heading towards every opiate addict needs to be on Suboxone for the rest of their life. That's the direction we're heading now. And man i hate that i just hate it you you don't have to do the signal we're on the podcast no no we're not sponsored by big pharma so no, who's you can, t- you you can take anybody off yeah. you want you to.
3: do not want to hear my feelings we, on we do on, actually on that. i just because it's a personal opinion i think a lot of it it's just a personal opinion you know they they started getting um, hard with the doctors when they were giving out too many opiates so they had to right. cut back I think they had to find something else to replace it, and here all of a sudden, treatment centers, uh, Suboxone used to be a 30-day detox, you know, uh, buprenorphine, whatever the other one is, Subotex. Uh they used to be a 30-day, and then it went to six months, and now it's two years, and, and now you're hearing for the rest of their life, and yep. I'm not saying, you know, maybe for some people, but I'm in one of those programs where complete abstinence I just, I is hate- the only thing that, that worked for me.
1: I hate that because I, I agree with you. There actually, I think, are people out there that probably need suboxone, maybe long term, maybe the rest of their lives, but they're few and far between. Because and the the reason it's being driven, it's it's it can be money, but the other thing that drives it is there are studies that show that suboxone patients don't die quite as often as patients who aren't on suboxone, but they don't live either. Right, <laughs> like that's to me. Every time I go out of town, I got to count my suboxone films to make sure I got enough. That's I got to go see the doctor once a month. I got to pay him. I got to buy the suboxone. I got to, oh my gosh, that's just slavery to me almost. Yeah. It's and crazy. well,
0: and, yeah. in some cases it becomes a substitution. Yeah. Right. Like and for is sure it a safer substitution? Absolutely. If we're talking harm reduction, is it a sure. safer substitution? Sure. But it's still to some degree. A substitution. And that's my, that's kind of, I,
1: I'm not gigantic on the harm reduction side of things, although I understand it, but I think harm reduction doesn't necessarily always apply across the board either. Some people don't need harm reduction. They just need to stop using drugs. True. Some need it. There's no question that harm reduction saves lives, but yeah. it also, if you don't need harm reduction and you're doing harm reduction, it takes a little bit of life away from you, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think what people struggle with is the acceptance piece that it's like Tim said, you know, he's, he's coaching baseball. He's with his, his buddies having a good time. Normal people can drink. And for some of us, we get this idea that we want to return to the land of the normies. Why don't we don't live in the land of the normies sitting on this podcast. <laughs> right. and, and, and I accepted a long time ago. I surrendered to the idea that I'm never going to return to the land of the normies. I can't do that. Right. Right. My life depends on staying in the land of recovery. Right. Tim said that earlier. He said, I'm not one of you guys. That's pretending like you're a normie. Right. Yeah. yeah that's, uh, that doesn't work for us very well at all. And that's why people go out and think that they can use socially. And, and sadly, I don't want to sound, you know, um, hard here, but sometimes they pass away.
3: Yeah. Uh, when I, when I got clean, I'm watching the clock too. Um, <clears throat> I was like borderline agoraphobic. Okay. Um, my psychiatrist and my doctor got together and they made a plan for me because I said, look, I don't want to use no more because that's going to help me to use and I don't. And uh, and they gave me like four tranquilizers in case I freaked out someplace and it was more of a security blanket. And I don't share that a lot Um because some people still don't think that was right. So I understand that whole, I understand the harm reduction. I understand having something. Uh, the difference is that I, I didn't take it and I caused a lot of damage. I was, I, I just, a lot of anger in me and I was, I was afraid. I was afraid that I was gonna go nuts every day. Uh, and I never took them. Uh just knowing that I could if I had to was was enough for me. But I tell you, I did a lot of damage. I did not know how to talk to people. I was angry. Um but I was I, I, I was
1: Keep going, you're fine. No, I was I
3: was I was under some type of psychiatric care. Um and uh, and I just chose not to use so yeah.
0: Hey, listen, we're wrapping it up here. Tim, first of all, I just want to thank you for being willing to come on the podcast and share your knowledge around powerlessness and unmanageability. Thank you co-host dr sellers for being here yep. and thanks sean denovan next week we will be here for episode 48 it's going to be a great one hope to see you guys then like comment share please somebody needs to hear this thank message. you
1: for joining us today on we do recover with jared miller help us spread our message of hope like comment and share if you have any topics or ideas for future shows please share that on our facebook
0: page that facebook page is we do recover with jared miller If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening.
2: Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.